Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Unfortunately, there are men and women throughout history and in the Bible that have mocked God. Listen at this. For example, John Lennon. Did you know? Check this out. During an interview with an American magazine, John Lennon said, Christianity will end. It will disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain. Jesus was okay, but his subjects were too simple. Today, John Lennon said, we, speaking of the Beatles, are more famous than Jesus. He said that in 1966, after saying that the Beatles were more famous than Jesus Christ, you know, he was shot six times. There's a guy by the name of Tancredo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And he was a president of Brazil. And he said this, get this. During the presidential campaign, he said that if he got 500 votes from his party, not even God would remove him from presidency. He got the 500 votes, but he got sick a day before being made president, and then he died. The man who built the Titanic. Need I say more? In case you don't know, okay, in case you have been under a rock for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Okay, listen. After the construction of, a Titanic, of the Titanic, a reporter asked how safe the Titanic would be. With an arrogant tone, he said, not even God can sink it. And of course, we all know what happened to the Titanic. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Marilyn Monroe. Did you know she was visited by Billy Graham during a presentation of a show and God sent him to share the gospel with her. After hearing what the preacher had to say, she said, I don't need your Jesus. A week later, she was found dead in her apartment. Bon Scott. Do you know who he is? Probably don't. He's the ex vocalist of the band ACDC. On one of his 1979 songs, he sang, Don't Stop Me, I'm Going Down All the Way. Wow, the highway to heaven. Or the highway to hell, he said. I'm sorry. Wish he said heaven. Said hell. On the 19th of February, 1980, Bon Scott was found dead, and he had choked on his own vomit. There's a guy by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche. You know his name? Friedrich Nietzsche was a German philosopher who lived in the early 1900s. He declared, God is dead. 
Shortly after making that statement, he began to lose his mind. He was committed to an insane asylum where he was where he committed suicide. In the 1960s, a Time magazine picture showed a wall in New York in a New York subway that was spray painted with graffiti. And it said, God is dead, sign Nietzsche. Someone else came along and sprayed an X through that statement and put underneath it, Nietzsche is dead, sign God. (laughs) Saints, read the verse with me again. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Listen, you cannot mock God and get away with it. That's the word. That's the Bible. And it's unfortunate that people seek to mock God. Pharaoh is mocking God. These are very blasphemous statements that he is making about God. Now, we do need to understand this and listen closely. We have to understand Pharaoh is making some blasphemous statements about God, but Pharaoh doesn't know God. Pharaoh is not a Christian. And when folks are not a Christian, they say a lot of things that they should not say. I know I said a lot of things about God that I should never have said. Can I get a witness? We all have. I remember I, I went to church. You, you guys know I was in Catholic school for many years. And, um, you know, I went to church all the time. I went through catechism. I went through, you know, went to confession. And I went to church Wednesday in the daytime. And, and Wednesday night we had to go to church. And Sunday morning we had to go to church. And, you know, i never forget Ash Wednesday where, you know, you get like an ash on your forehead. I just remember that in school. And I also remember that even though I had all of this education about God and all of this religious training, I did not know God. Do you understand it is possible to go to church all of your life and not know God? Isn't that alarming? I mean, it's interesting. You can go to church all of your life and not know God, not know the Bible. You can be very religious and not know the Bible. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I won't let Israel go because he didn't know God. You can go to church. You can know the Bible. You can know the Bible and not know God. We, you know, you know, do you know people? I know people who know the Bible. They can quote it better than me. Now they do misquote it, but they can quote it. Did you know it said this in Second Chronicles? Did you know it said this in Second Kings? Did you know it said that? I'm like, man, no, I didn't actually. I'm the pastor. I didn't know. Is that in the Bible? Let me go check that out. Well, yeah, you're right. It's right there. You can know the Bible and not know God. You can know all the rituals. All, you know, I remember I was an altar boy. Did I ever tell you all that I was an altar boy? I'm telling it all tonight, ain't I? I was an altar boy. And, and, I, and I, came, well, I wore the robe and 
you know, did the altar boy thing and, uh, you know, went in the back. And we, it was our responsibility as altar boys to, you know, um, get rid of the elements. Once we did communion, you know, that there were any elements left, you needed to dispose of them appropriately. And uh, I just remember there was never any wine left in the cup. <laughs> Didn't know why. Just, like, hmm. and, and I do remember, you know, I knew all the Christmas songs. I knew all the Christmas stories. I knew all the Christmas carols, but I didn't know God. Pharaoh doesn't know God. And thus, these blasphemous words are coming out of his mouth. He says, I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Well, notice what happens in verse 3. You're there, say amen. amen. So they said, they, Moses and Aaron said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go, note this, saints, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said in verse 5, look, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their labors. And so the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them, verse 8, the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on them, in verse 9, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Stop right there. Notice they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now, I think that's interesting in verse 3. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. It's interesting because notice Moses only asked for a three-day weekend. Did you notice that? Moses said, Let's, let us go for a three-day journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord. Now, why did Moses only ask for three days? When he knew what God was going to do. Why did he only ask for three days? Was he being deceptive? Maybe he was scared. <laughs> I don't think it was either of them. You see, I believe that God had Moses ask for three days, watch this, to give Pharaoh a chance to agree to something small that it might soften his heart before the big request came. Let me say that again. I believe that God is giving Pharaoh an opportunity to obey and to do something small that it might soften his heart before the big request comes. And the big request is that almost two million people need to march out of Egypt. And God's given him an opportunity here. You see why? Because God, listen, listen, <laughs> you might want to write this down. God is always a God of grace. God is always, always, always seeking to extend grace. God says, let them go for three days. Pharaoh says, no, no. And later we know the story. God is going to warn him 10 times. 
You see, God deals in grace 10 times, and then God says, if you're not going to let them go, you will know that I am the God of judgment. God always, always, listen, saints, all the way through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God always seeks to extend to man grace. Now, I have heard this over and over, and it's just not right. People say, well, the God in the Old Testament, you know, he's a vengeful, wrathful, judgmental God. The God of the Old Testament is harsh, people say. The God of the New Testament is a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, they say. Listen, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and how long, saints? Forever. That means this, that the God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. That does also mean that the God in the Old Testament is not a God of wrath and vengeful and judgmental and judging. The God in the Old Testament is also a God of grace. And the God in the New Testament is also a God of wrath and judgment and grace. We got to stop saying that. That's not right. It's not, it's no different. Noah preached and God gave the people an opportunity to repent and they refused. And because they refused, God had to send judgment, the flood all the way through scripture. No different. God is always a God of mercy, and God is always a God of grace, and so and a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And so we see that throughout all of Scripture. So Moses said, let them go that they might go, notice in your Bibles, and have a feast. Look at it in your Bibles, that they might go and sacrifice in verse 3. You see that? Say amen if you see it. Amen. That they might go and sacrifice. Or that they might go and have a feast in the wilderness. Or that they might go and worship. Simply put, Pharaoh thought the people wanted to go worship the Lord in the wilderness. And Pharaoh thought that that was a waste of time. It was a waste of time for the people to go worship. But isn't it true that the Pharaohs of the world will always equate worship with a waste of time. Isn't that very true? The pharaohs of the world will always equate worship with a waste of time. You might remember Jesus. We talked about this on a Sunday morning some time ago. Jesus had been invited to eat at the home of an ex-leper. You remember him? His name was Simon. Remember? And, and Jesus was there. The 12 disciples were there. Mary, Martha, Lazarus was there. That was the same Lazarus that was raised from the dead. I told you back then what I wouldn't have given to be around the table. and Got the ex-leper giving his testimony. And Lazarus giving his testimony. And ex-leper's like, God healed me. Oh, it's the greatest testimony. I, God healed me. I was a leper and now I'm no more. You know, he probably, I once was blind, but now I see. You know, you, know, you got to throw that in your testimony. And Lazarus said, yeah, well, I can top one better than that. I was dead. They're like, well, got me, man. I mean, wow. I mean, can't get past that. And they're all gathered around the table. And 
And they're just talking. And it was at that point, remember, a lady came in and her name was Mary. Remember, she came in with a very expensive alabaster box of ointment. And she breaks the box and she pours it over Jesus' head. In the Greek language, listen to me close, in the Greek language, it wasn't like she took a dab of her very costly year's salary ointment and took a dab and put a little bit there on Jesus and put a little bit there. She might, you know, your ladies, put a little bit there, a little bit there, rub together. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like that. The Bible says she took that very expensive box of ointment. She broke that box over his head and the oil just poured and soaked his hair and soaked his beard. And it was her way of worshiping Jesus. And then and, and Judas, it was at that time that Judas said that was a waste. He told her that was a waste. You don't waste all that ointment pouring it over Jesus' head. You could have sold it and got some money for the poor. He said, yeah, right. And in John's gospel, Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. The word perdition means waste. Judas said, Mary, that was a waste. Jesus said, Judas, you are a waste. Because it's never a waste to worship the Lord. Saints, it's never a waste to worship Jesus. Don't you remember the story in Luke chapter 10? Martha, she was busy. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping and Martha got upset. And she said, Jesus, tell, tell, tell Mary to get up and help me with lunch. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You know, in the Bible, whenever you see two names together like that, Saul, Saul, Martha, Martha, Rodney, Rodney, there's trouble coming. It's not going to be pretty. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, he says, you're worried about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that which shall not be taken away from her. What did Mary choose? Mary chose to worship. And because worship is never a waste, Jesus said, Martha, calm down. Mary's doing the right thing. Mary's worshiping me. Worship is never a waste of time. Don't let, listen, Don't let the pharaohs of the world discourage you from seeking God and from worshiping God. And so Pharaoh said, worship is a waste. And instead of letting them go, he says, I'm going to make it even more difficult for them. Pharaoh says, listen, if they are bored, if they have time to come and tell me that they want to go in the wilderness to worship, then they must have too much time on their hands. So instead of me giving them straw to make bricks, They can go get their own straw. And even though they have more work to do, I want the same output of production. You see what did Pharaoh do? He made the burden heavier. Look at verse 10 in chapter 5. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says the Lord, I will not give you straw. So get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. And so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble 
instead of straw. It's a lesser quality. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. And also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Here's something very, very interesting for you archaeological people. It's very interesting that archaeologists, get this, have given testimony to the situation that we are reading about here in Exodus chapter 5. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, in the cities of Ramses and Pythium, remember them from chapter 1? Ramses and Pythium. They have excavated, we now know, they have excavated large brick buildings. They have found, get this, on the lower levels of those buildings that the bricks are made with straw that have been finely cut and mixed up with mud and pitch. But as the building goes higher, on the higher levels in the building, the bricks are a lesser quality and they're made with stubble, just like the word says. And in some of those buildings at the very top, there's no stubble and there's no straw at all. At all. So these archaeological finds and archaeological spade, shovel, is bearing testimony to the fact that what God's word said happened truly did happen. Because God's word is true, amen, saints? That's why, no surprise. It's also interesting, get this, that someone did some calculating. And who are these people? I do not know. (laughs) They say, whoever they are, they obviously have no life. But it is interesting, get this, they did some calculating and discovered that the bricks used in constructing the pyramids would form a wall 10 feet high, 5 feet thick, and get this, and this wall would stretch from Los Angeles to New York. Unbelievable. So we're talking about a lot of bricks. And when they couldn't keep up with the production, these taskmasters, they beat them. Look at verse 15. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and they cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing, with, dealing thus with your servants? There's no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, Pharaoh said, you're idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. And so the children of Israel came to Moses and they said, this isn't fair. They're beating us and blaming us and they aren't giving us straw and telling us we have to produce the same amount of bricks. We're willing to work, they said, but it isn't our fault. It's with your own people, they said. And the Pharaoh says, you're idle, you're idle. Or in other words, you're just being lazy. Go to work. Now, I want you to listen to me closely here. Listen close. In their beaten state, they went to Pharaoh to solve their problem. In their beaten state, they went to Pharaoh to solve their problem. Listen, big mistake. 
big mistake. It's a big mistake. Why? Because in their beaten state, instead of going to the Pharaoh to solve the problem, they should have gone to the Lord. Don't you find it interesting? That they went to Pharaoh and note this, when they went to Pharaoh to find relief to solve their problem, they actually got in more bondage. Saint, listen, too often, as a pastor, I see Christians putting themselves in the same situation. Satan gives them grief, and the first thing they do is run to Satan versus running to God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.